He's involved in a number of businesses. He's a great role model. Telling it like it is. Giving you both sides of the story. This is Cats at Night. Great American, a great New Yorker. Now, here's John Katsimatidis. Breaking news, WABC. And we're just moments away from General Petraeus. He will have the latest breaking news out of Ukraine. And first, we have other guests we want to introduce here in the studio. Uh, in the studio with us is Judge Richard Weinberg. We have a uh, common sense Democrat, common sense Republicans, Tony Carbonetti, former chief of staff of Rudy Giuliani, and Craig Eaton, uh, chairman for 10 years of uh, the Brooklyn GOP. I understand General Petraeus is on the line. Correct. Uh, General Petraeus, how are you, sir? Good, thanks. How are you? Good. I mean, General, nobody seems to know what's really going on. Uh, and uh, we figured who else to go to but uh, to you. Uh, and you must have uh, some calls coming in from all over the place. Uh, give the American people an update of what you think uh, is going on. Well, if you're talking about Ukraine, what's going on is the Russians tried the blitz to try to get immediately to cities uh, to topple them, particularly Kiev, the capital, so that they could replace President Zelensky with someone who would be pro-Russian. That obviously didn't work. Uh, they showed that they were not as impressive as perhaps we thought they might be at air ground integration, combined arms, infantry, armor, field artillery, engineers, and so forth. Uh, and also we found that the Ukrainian armed forces uh, had enormous determination, uh, sheer uh, grit, uh, considerable skill. And, of course, they're backed up by a population, virtually all of whom hate the Russians and many of whom are willing to take up arms against them. They're also fighting on their home field, if you will. They know the the local areas, they know the people, uh, and they're fighting for their homeland. Uh, So Putin did not achieve quickly uh, what perhaps he and his generals thought they might achieve. They got bogged down. They're also shown to have not particularly impressive logistics support, Uh, plus, of course, all of their logistics lines, the lines of communication behind them, are insecure because the people oppose what the Russians want to do. So they're in a tough spot, Uh, and then what they did is bring in additional firepower, uh, also use some from uh, in Russia that can reach all the way into Ukraine. Uh, They have traditionally been an indirect fire-based army, a lot of artillery, a lot of rockets, uh, missiles, and bombs. And what we see them doing now is beginning essentially to blast away Uh, Putin In the past, when Grozny was difficult to take in Chechnya, they essentially, eventually, did both. They depopulated and they largely destroyed it. Uh, The same in Aleppo, uh, when Russian air power was used there to prop up Bashar al-Assad in Syria, uh, and again, essentially depopulated and and largely destroyed it. Uh, And we see that beginning. Uh, We see Kharkiv, for example, one of the largest cities, uh, been in the square where the beautiful government building was destroyed, uh, along with eight or ten civilians in it. Uh, we see them starting to go after infrastructure in Kiev. And keep in mind, Kiev's a, a city of nearly three million people. It's very spread out. 
a lot of urban area. Urban fighting is exceedingly difficult, especially, again, if everybody who's left there uh, really wants to do you in. So they've got a tough road ahead of them. But, again, I think they're frustrated, uh, and they're going to exhibit that frustration, again, by just pummeling these areas. They're literally going to try to turn out the lights in Kiev. They're going to try to turn off the telecommunications, uh, get President Zelensky off the air, shut down the Internet, social media, uh, and doing the other infrastructure that is still functioning. At some point, they may literally uh, invest, lay siege to Kiev uh, after trying to scare as many of the civilians out of the city as they can and then starve the rest. Again, this is getting very, very ugly. I mean, um, it's, and, it's crazy what's going on. Any chance that Putin could say, guys, let's call it a, a day? Well, it's difficult to see that. Again, he has stated clearly what his aims are, uh, and they are to ensure that Ukraine is never in NATO, never in the EU. And frankly, he also feared all along that there would be an example on in his next-door neighbor of what right looks like, uh, of a vibrant, prosperous democracy. And that is a huge challenge to him as well. So he wants to dominate. Uh, Ukraine. Uh, He sees it as part of Russia historically. We heard this in that somewhat bizarre speech that he gave, very lengthy, sitting on one side of an enormous area and all of his people on the other side. Uh, And he is determined, I think, to carry on. Uh, Now, yes, we should be seeking an off-ramp somehow. We should be seeking a messenger who could take a message to him. I've suggested that perhaps Chancellor Merkel of of Germany, the former chancellor, who had a good relationship with him, albeit a firm one, uh, who grew up in East Germany, a place where he served, of course, in the KGB, uh, speaks Russian and so forth. That could be the right person. The problem is the message, because the respective red lines of the Russians on the one hand and then Ukraine and also NATO countries on the other hand, these are mutually exclusive. Well, General, it's it's Tony Carbonetti. that that message, isn't it as simple as uh, Iraq and Kuwait in 1990? You, you don't have the right to invade a neighboring country. And shouldn't the world get together at that point and say, get out or we're going to come make you get out? And General Petraeus, it appears that even the Russians aren't backing Putin because some of the Russian sh- soldiers who invaded Ukraine are so unhappy with their mission that they've started sabotaging their own vehicles and are surrendering in droves. This, according to the Pentagon, and apparently all a lot of the soldiers weren't even uh, fully trained or prepared or aware that they were going to be sent into a combat operation. This is according to a senior Defense Department official telling reporters this. So, Well, there are some instances of that. Um, I wouldn't expect to see the entire force uh, resort to that. There is history here, you know, and let's not forget the way the communists came to power in 1917 um, was obviously the overthrow of the Romanovs, essentially, when the army really refused to continue to support that regime. So, there is some history here. You can look at 1905 with the Russo-Japanese War as another example of that. Um, but, Tony, I mean, what you've said, it seems appealing until you realize that 
unlike Saddam Hussein, uh, Russia has nuclear weapons, uh, and they reach to the United States. It's actually the largest nuclear arsenal uh, in the world. Uh, we certainly have one very, very comparable and perhaps even more modern and, and better in some respects. Uh, but with nuclear weapons, as you know, it doesn't take many. Um, they don't really want to die. But, but again, to go nuclear, there his army sitting there saying, we're not going to get nuked unless we strike first. We're not going to attack. We're not going to use nuclear weapons against them unless they use them first. Correct. Well, again, it's not his army that gets to choose whether they use nuclear weapons, Tony. It's Putin himself. He has the finger on the nuclear trigger. He rattled the saber, the nuclear saber, the other day, made allusions to it. Generally, I tend to agree that it is insanity to reach for that trigger because, of course, you're going to receive back at least as much as you gave. That said, uh, there are scenarios where someone in his state of mind, which doesn't seem to be completely I agree. where everyone else is, um, and so you're not going to risk. And, and so are you saying that you should put U.S. troops uh, into and NATO troops to force them out? You want to see a yeah. direct confrontation no, with Russia? No, 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 Again, that's I don't not, think, I don't think the, the, the not, American well, people the are moving. I, I think we have to. I, I think the only option you we got to push back. You, well, okay. Fine. How? We have pushed back. We have done levied the most extraordinary sanctions, literally, that the world has ever seen. They are very painful. The ruble's down. They can't even open up their stock exchange. Their financial system is already feeling the pain. They'll feel a lot more of that over time. Um, you know, I think there's some other things they might ought to do, like padlocking the doors in Kensington and Mayfair and London, of the townhouses and the oligarchs. I'm you know, for maybe, all of that and cyber attack the hell out of that. Well, now, you know, again, these are all appealing things when you sort of throw them out. But in the real world, if you cyber attack the hell out of them, they will cyber attack the hell out of us. And we are actually probably more vulnerable. You know, that old saying about don't throw glass or stones if you live in a glass house. And we live in a glass house when it comes to cyberspace. So, again, these are. General, it sounds great to say we got to do something. We are do so, doing something. We have provided substantial amounts of uh, weapons, uh, various military uh, hardware systems, supplies, et cetera. More is being provided, surprisingly, including even Germany, uh, which is very impressive uh, because, of course, initially they hesitated. They, they gave them Kevlar helmets. Uh, now they're providing lethal supplies. Germany is also going to go to 2% of GDP on spending immediately rather than the very slow glide path that seemed uh, glacial in its progress. They're spending an extra $110 million on defense as a one-time supplemental. I mean, this is massive from Germany. And, of course, they shut down Nord Stream 2. So there's a lot being done, a huge amount being done. What would but you recommend? What you're that, suggesting is the kind of stuff that actually gets you into World War III, or don't or want to go there. Into a direct I, conflict with 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 Russia. Nobody wants to go into no World War III. Uh, General, if you were uh, sitting in the Oval Office advising the president, what would you say to him today? Uh, to be fair, in this case, and and you will remember that I was very critical. Please, for your your other guests there, I am totally nonpartisan, nonpolitical. I I'm was very now. critical of the, of the decision to withdraw from Afghanistan, the lack of adequate consultation with our allies on that decision, and then the execution of that decision. In this case, I actually think that they have done 
quite an impressive job. There's some places along the way that we might have done better, have the entire list of sanctions ready so that when certain trigger is, 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 is crossed or reached that you go to those. The problem with that was that many of these sanctions aren't just the province of the U.S. They require the U.S. to persuade our, let's say, EU allies when it comes to the SWIFT financial uh, transaction system, which is a huge blow as well that we have uh, taken uh, to cut off some of the Russian financial institutions from that. So there's a, an enormous amount that has been done. They've also done a very good job, I think, of taking what clearly is final, finished intelligence products and laundering it into public information without exposing sources and methods. Um, they have galvanized the, the, the NATO, the EU. Of course, really, it's Putin's actions that have done that. I was at the Munich Security Conference. I've not heard unity like that. This is a week and a half ago. I'd not heard unity at a Munich security conference like we heard that time uh, all the way back to when I was uh, speechwriter for the Supreme Allied Commander of Europe. Uh, so there's an enormous amount being done. There is also, however, a degree of what I think is, is proper and prudent caution about not getting into a direct confrontation with Russian forces, such as a no-fly zone over Ukraine or even something that seems somewhat innocuous to secure a humanitarian corridor well into Ukraine or something like that. We don't want and, to, we don't, I understand rightly, that. We don't want to put yeah. them in a position where, uh, yep. uh, where we're backing them up into the corner. I have a question for General yep. Patrice. So again, they're actually doing, I think, to be fair, quite well. Now, there's more that can be done uh, in terms of, you know, we should have a defense supplemental ourselves. We're also going to have to overhaul our defense spending because we're now going to have to plan on, in a sense, for a two-front possibility rather than just focus completely uh, on the Indo-Pacific. And as I said earlier, I think the big intellectual challenge right now is to figure out what message someone like Chancellor Merkel, uh, if you could persuade her to take this on, could take to Vladimir Putin to try to convince him that it's time to declare a ceasefire, uh, start negotiating, and ideally withdraw his forces. Again, this is not going to have a happy ending for Russian forces or Putin, probably, no matter how it plays out. And the more damage and destruction uh, that he does to Ukrainian cities, obviously, the more he's going to be isolated. But there are just limits to how far the actions can, that can be taken for fear of, again, getting into a direct confrontation. And again, we are making very clear, on the other hand, you touch a NATO country, you have invoked, we invoke Article 5, an attack on one is an attack on all, and that means the three Baltic states, two of which have borders with Russia, uh, and then the other now increasingly frontline Eastern European countries, uh, Poland, Slovakia, Hungary, and Romania. It doesn't look like China is going to back up Putin. It it does not. They are somewhat ambivalent, if if you will, John. They, of course, had the very famous meeting on the eve of the Olympic opening ceremony, uh, Putin and President Xi. Uh, subsequent to that, however, the foreign minister of China at the Munich Security Conference virtually said that territorial integrity of all states should be uh, honored, and that included Ukraine. And of course, keep in mind that Ukraine's biggest trading partner was China, and China had a lot of 
potential projects there for the Belt and Road Initiative. Um, beyond that, China generally is one of those countries that says stay out of the internal affairs of others. Uh, this clearly uh, is a violation of that. Uh, and again, if the damage and the destruction is truly horrific as it is appearing it's going to be, uh, then clearly uh, China cannot abide that at a certain point in time. Uh, they, they did not veto the UN Security Council resolution the other day condemning Russia. The U.S. modified some of the language so that they would not do that. Uh, they abstained. But again, at a point, uh, if this is as horrific as it appears it may be, there's really no country, maybe other than North Korea, that could uh, say that this is acceptable. Well, I think, uh, General, thank you for coming on. I think uh, Putin is backing himself up into a position where he is uh, hurting Russia itself in many, many ways. He's hurting all his friends, all the oligarchs. No question. And yeah, uh, no this, question. this might be a, a problem that Russia itself might have to solve. General Petraeus, I know we well, have to go to a quick break. I just One, one other, John, oh, if I could, sorry. because there is a concern that you that he and we back him into a corner from which he has nothing to lose. Right. That is not necessarily a great place to have someone no, no. who is in his state of mind and has his finger we on don't the nuclear trigger. So we, we have to be careful of that. That's the we, question we don't, I want to ask. We don't ask. need him to push a button. Are you afraid, right. General Petraeus, President Biden was asked yesterday, should the U.S. be worried about a nuclear war? General Petraeus, are you worried that he could press that button and forever change the world? Um, look, I think you have to recognize that as a possibility, which we do always. Uh, that is always a state of play in the, you know, in the nuclear business and the strategic command. That's what they get paid to do is to be prepared. Um, but perhaps that should have a, a bit more urgency attached to it right now than normally. I, I agree 100 percent. I think we made him look uh, the, the world is making him look dumb and he might have that might be the only yeah, his only recourse, you know. General, yeah. it's a day-by-day situation. Thank you so much for keeping the American people. Always a pleasure, John. Thank you so much. Thank you.